0: Good morning. Welcome to Mission View Church. If this is your first time here, my name is Matt. I'm the lead pastor here at Mission View. So glad you've joined us for worship this morning. Hopefully, you enjoyed it as much as I did. I'm hoarse already from uh, singing so loud. But um, yeah, we're um, in a sermon series called Miracle Working God, and we're in the book of Mark. So if you have your Bibles, you can open up to Mark chapter 6. We've been looking at um, Christ's life, and in this season, he's doing all of these miracles. And one of the big takeaways that we've seen is the compassion and the grace and mercy we find in Christ. That as he looks and sees people in their suffering, he meets them right where they are. He shows them love and mercy and kindness and compassion. And and today is no different. We're going to look and see kind of this, this compassion and mercy that God has in Christ in an amazing story which most of us are probably familiar with. Have you heard of the story of Jesus feeding the 5,000? Anyone here heard that one? It's, it's kind of a popular Bible story. It's one of, one of the most amazing miracles Jesus performs. He, he feeds the 5,000 from um, just, you know, just a, just a few loaves and some fish, right? Just this amazing miracle. So over this time, we've seen Jesus healing the sick. He's taught them with an authority that they've never experienced before. He's even raised the dead. Jesus has provided the best health care education humanity has ever seen. What more can they need? What else do you need if you have wisdom and guidance and health and even being raised from the dead? Well, we need food, right? Those, the daily sustenance, the things that are going to keep us going, we need food. He provided healing, knowledge, guidance, and wisdom, and even raised the dead. But now he's going to provide food, things that they did really need at the time. Now as we've gone through this series, one of the themes we have seen is that God's compassion and love for people. We see this in his kindness and mercy and everything that Jesus did. And we know that Jesus only did what he saw the Father doing. So it's not, just, it's not just Jesus loving and being compassionate. It's actually the Father heart of God, the Father, being revealed to us in everything that Jesus said and Jesus did. Because Jesus is a perfect representation of the Father. We believe that God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit are three in one. We call that the Trinity. It's this this miraculous, supernatural thing. It's not three gods. It's one, three in one. And Jesus reveals the Father to us. Now, another powerful revelation comes as we look at the miracles Jesus performed. And what we're really seeing is that Jesus is showing us through all of these miracles and all of these interactions and these accounts that we find that he is all that we need. Jesus is all that we need, everything and more. And I I read a great book one time called Jesus Plus Nothing Equals Everything. It's a great book. But this, this idea that Jesus is all that we need. Now, we believe that, right? We believe that Jesus is all we need. But there are times in our lives where things get hard or unexpected things come our way and we're just like, Jesus is all I need, but I could really use 10 grand right now. Right, have you ever felt that Jesus is all I need, but cheesecake tastes really good? Right? We have these ideas and things, and it's it's when the rubber meets the road in our lives, it's when difficult things come into our lives or suffering comes into our lives that we we try and add all these different things to our life and sometimes don't do it all great. We're gonna see that happen today. We're gonna to see that happen in the apostles' lives. And As Jesus is there with them, we're going to see the apostles kind of turn to their own strength, even though they've been walking with Jesus. And last week we saw Jesus send them out with his authority to, to work miracles and do all these things. Even here, as the apostles come back and give their report to Jesus of the amazing miracles they did because of the authority that he delegated to them, that as Jesus asks them to feed these people, they start looking to their own strengths and their own things as they look into that. But anyways, this is a great story. I'm, I'm really excited about what the Lord has given me to share with you. I feel he's really going to speak to our hearts this morning. So before we read um, our text, let's pray and go before the Lord. Dear Heavenly Father, we thank you for your truth. We thank you for the miracles that, that Jesus performed, revealing his divinity his deity, that he was truly God and truly man. And Father, we submit to your authority. We submit to your word. This is your truth. And God, we pray that you would change our hearts and grow us, Father, that we would walk out of here different people than we walked in because we have met with our creator. Come and have your way in our hearts. In Jesus' name, amen. It's really interesting. I won't talk about it a whole lot this morning, but I want to share it. Uh, after Jesus performs this amazing miracle of feeding the 5,000, um, the Jewish people want to make him king. He has done all these amazing miracles, and the people have seen all these amazing things. And at the, after this, they want to make him king. And really what they wanted was a conquering king to come and and conquer Rome and set up shop. But what we know and and what we see the the, uh, Jewish people struggle to see and struggle to understand is that Jesus didn't come to rule over the Jews or Rome. Jesus came to die for sinners who need a Savior. That's what Jesus came to do. He came to die for sinners who need a Savior. And we are them. We are sinners that need a Savior. I love uh, how Aaron took us through communion this morning—the the opportunity to repent before the Lord, to confess our sins to Him, that He would change us and grow us and sanctify us for Himself. Just amazing thing. We'll start here in Mark chapter six in verse thirty. It says, the apostles returned to Jesus. This is after last week. We talked about him sending them out. They had worked all kinds of miracles. And they returned to Jesus and told him all that they had done and taught. And he said to them, come away by yourselves to a desolate place and rest for a while. For many were coming and going, and they had no leisure even to eat. I mean, these guys were so busy. People were coming, and miracles were being performed. Truth was being taught. These guys had no time. Jesus had no time to even eat. Now the miracles Jesus had been performing had now been multiplied by 12 because the apostles had gone out. So all of Galilee was seeing these miracles. Galilee is not a huge place. It's about 50 miles by 25 miles, and it was really well populated at the time. So as these guys were going out all over the place, all of Galilee were witnessing these amazing miracles and witnessing the power that had come with Jesus. Now pick it up, verse 32. And they went away in the boat to a desolate place by themselves. Now many saw them going and recognized them, and they ran there on foot from all the towns and got there ahead of them. When he went ashore, he saw a great crowd, and he had compassion on them because they were like sheep without a shepherd. Now you might want to underline that in your Bible. They were like sheep without a shepherd. Any Bible nerds here with me today? I'm a super Bible nerd, all right? Uh, this this sheep without a shepherd harkens back to Old Testament, and I think it's in Numbers chapter seventeen, where where you you see this passing off. It's usually passing off of leadership in Israel, and it was the sheep without a shepherd. So Moses, who 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 led God's people out of captivity from Egypt, was leading them to the promised land, right, and. Moses was not allowed to actually lead them into the promised land, only up to the promised land. And there was a leadership getting ready to be passed off. This leadership was being passed off from Moses to Joshua. In the Old Testament Hebrew, that's Yeshua, which is Jesus' name, Yeshua. And Yeshua was going to lead God's people into the promised land. This almost messianic call we see where Jesus says, sheep without a shepherd is looking back at these transitions of leadership where Jesus now in the New Testament is bringing in a new covenant for a new covenant people where it wouldn't just be the Jewish people that were being led into a promised land, but the Gentiles and the Jewish people being led into the promised land. I didn't want to gloss over this, this messianic, Uh, Word that Jesus shares as he says he had compassion on them because they were like sheep without a shepherd. I, I love how in the Old Testament, you know, every book of the Bible points to Jesus. Every book, it points, it tells the story of our Savior, Jesus. So he's like sheep without a shepherd and he began to teach them many things. And when it grew late, his disciples came to him and said, this is a desolate place and the hour is now late send them away to go into the surrounding countryside and villages and buy themselves something to eat. But he answered them, I love this. I thought this is really great. You give them something to eat. Now, can you imagine this? I I, I love how Jesus talks and thinks. I love how it always works out this way. There's 5,000 men on the countryside 5,000 men, so there's there's women and children too. Most theologians think that there's upwards around 15,000 people on the countryside here. And every, you know, all the apostles, they're exhausted, they've been going out and they've been teaching here, they haven't eaten. And they're like, hey, let's break this party up, man. Let's send everybody home, everybody gets something to eat and and, um, we'll, we'll just move on and get some rest here. He's like, no, you feed them. Could you imagine that? You feed them, you know? Don't send them off, you feed them. And they said to him, now get this. Now, this is what I find interesting, too. This is after the apostles had been given this authority from Jesus to cast out demons, to raise the dead, to heal the sick. And this is what they've been doing. They've been out doing these great miracles. So we, I mean, we think of it and like feed the 15,000 or 5,000 men, whatever it is, and we think that's a huge deal. But these, think about this. They've been out doing miracles. But where does their mind revert to? Shall we go and buy 200 denarii? Worth of bread and give it to them to eat? And he said to them, How many loaves do you have? Go and see. And when they had found out, they said, Five and two fish. Then he commanded them to all sit down in groups on the green grass. So they sat down in groups by hundreds and by fifties. And taking the five loaves and the two fish, he looked up to heaven and said a blessing and broke the loaves and gave them to the disciples to set before the people. And he divided the two fish among them all, and they all ate and were satisfied. They took up twelve baskets full of broken pieces and of the fish, and those who ate the loaves were five thousand men. God's word for us today. The first thing I kind of want to pull out of this text, and it's in your notes. As you've got a program as you're coming in, you can follow along there. And the the first feeling is this. We are moved with compassion. We are moved into action. When we are moved with compassion, we are moved into action. Now, that's the first point written in your notes, but you can scratch that out. It's not the real first note. That's not the real first fill-in. Here's your real first fill-in. And this was kind of a a last-minute thing as I was praying over my sermon last night. I'm changing this first point, and I want it to be this sheep need a shepherd. Sheep need a shepherd. Now, I think here at Mission View Church, that first initial point I just shared with you, when we're moved with compassion, we're moved into action, that's something we do here at Mission View. That God moves on our hearts, we act. We just don't go, oh my, there's a need. No, we say, oh my, there's a need. Let's go to God in prayer, and then let's go do something about it. That's why we partner with missionaries and all these things. That's a great point. Don't get me wrong. When we are moved with compassion, we should be moved into action. But I think what God wanted me to share with you today is that sheep need a shepherd. Sheep need a shepherd. When he went ashore, he saw a great crowd and he had compassion on them because they were like sheep without a shepherd. And remember what I talked about here. We don't want to miss this. This is hearkening back to that leadership transfer. This is a messianic statement that Jesus, that is being stated here in God's word for us. So Jesus, the Messiah, sees these people without a shepherd. They were lost, broken, weary, confused, foolish, hopeless, and sinful, and he had compassion. Now, this Greek word we have here in the New Testament for compassion is a Greek word only used to describe Jesus. It's a Greek word for compassion that is only used, exclusive and set aside to describe Jesus. This is a great compassion. He saw people without a shepherd and had great compassion. Sheep need a shepherd. We need a shepherd. And Jesus is the good shepherd. If you have your Bibles, turn over real quick to John chapter 10. John chapter 10, it says that, I'll give you just a quick second to turn there. I was about to just jump into it. In John chapter 10, and starting in verse 11, Jesus says, I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd lays down his life for the sheep. lay down my life for the sheep. We are his. And he laid down his life for us. When Jesus says they were like sheep without a shepherd, he was saying he is the shepherd, but not one who's a hired hand and didn't care about the sheep. We are his, and he laid down his life for us. These sheep Are those who listen, those who hear his voice, those who respond to his teaching and his calling to repent for the kingdom of God is at hand. Remember when we started here in Mark and looking at the life of Jesus, he came to teach and preach. And what did he teach and preach? Repent for the kingdom of God is at hand. That was his core message. I started thinking about this picture that Jesus paints for us, and it's painted all throughout Scripture, the sheep without a shepherd. I did just some online research on farmingbase.com. You can look it up if you'd like. Who knows sheep better than farmers, right? They said the sheep cannot live without a shepherd. That's what they said. They are entirely dependent on the shepherd for everything. They require constant care and watching over. So leaving them unattended can put them at risk and greatly endanger their lives. Now remember, Jesus is the good shepherd. Another thing they said is they are completely dependent on the shepherd for pasture, for water, for grooming, and for protection. Think about those four things for a second. Sheep are completely and totally dependent on the shepherd for pasture, water, grooming, and protection. The last thing they said is it's really easy for sheep to get lost. Due to their flocking mentality, they are likely to go astray on most occasions. Sheep follow one another blindly. They have an instinct to flock together so as to keep safe. This means that if the leader gets lost, the whole flock is lost too. If the leader runs off a cliff, the whole flock runs off a cliff too. We like sheep. Have gone astray. The Bible actually says that. That's you know, sheep aren't sheep aren't like dogs that can roam off for hours. I don't know if you have a dog that bolts, right? But they can run off for hours. I mean, there's been dogs that have run off for days, weeks, even months, and then will eventually find their way home. That's not how sheep work. I mean, they are gone. They are completely and fully dependent on a shepherd. We need a shepherd. We like to think that we can navigate this life on our own, that we don't need anyone. We listen to songs like I Did It My Way and tell people to pull themselves up by their bootstraps or put on your big girl pants now and get over it. But the reality is we are desperate for the good shepherd to protect to provide, and to care for us. And this dependency is a key part of our Christianity. And it, it goes and combats against our, our humanity. Because there's something inside of us, there's this, this prideful thing inside of us that, that wants to do things in and of our own strength that as we work really hard and and, and just put our nose to the grindstone and and make this happen, we can get finished with those things and then look back at them and just be like, oh, yes, I'm just so great. This is awesome. Look at what I did. But Christianity calls us to this 110% dependency or reliance on Jesus to do what we can't do. We can't save ourselves. That it, it took the Son of God to put on flesh, become a man, and to live a perfect life that we cannot live, and then die the sinner's death that you and I deserve? We can't do that. Only Jesus can do that. Jesus then, being crucified, dying for us, rose from the grave three days later, defeating death, and said, we can't do that. Only Jesus can do that. But it doesn't end with this This ministry of salvation that God does in Christ Jesus. It continues on into this process and progression of sanctification where God, by the power of the Holy Spirit, who lives in the heart of every Christian, begins and and continues this progressive work of sanctification, growing us and changing us each and every day, making us more like Jesus. We are not just 100% dependent on Jesus for salvation. We are 100% dependent on Jesus for our sanctification. This change that he's doing in us. But it goes even much further beyond salvation and sanctification. The Bible teaches us that we are dependent on God for every breath we breathe that all life is sustained by Christ. Think about that for a second. We, We think about salvation a lot in the work that God did through Jesus for us. We think about sanctification every once in a while because God is growing us and changing us. But did you know that your every moment here on planet Earth is sustained by God? We are completely dependent on God. Every day, every moment. It's, it's difficult to wrap our minds around that, isn't it? I mean, because we go through our days and we have Monday through Friday, a nine to five, you know, and you're doing the thing, you're paying the mortgage, you're paying, you know, all the bills and you're, you're making this thing work and you're trying to work through this. And, and we kind of look at our lives and, and there's these things that we do and we forget That there's one underneath, behind, around, and surrounding all of that. And it's our creator. The Bible says that God's mercies are new every morning. I think what he's talking about is that every day, every day, God is active in your life. Every moment. He never leaves you alone because he is the good shepherd. Let's check out this next section in verse 35. And when it grew late his disciples came to him and said, "This is a desolate place and the hour is now late. Send them away to go into the surrounding countryside and villages and buy themselves something to eat." But he answered them, "You give them something to eat." That's the second point in your notes today. "You give them something to eat." I just love that statement from Jesus. Jesus doesn't say, "It's all right, guys, I'll feed them." He doesn't say, "I'm going to work a miracle." I'm going to do this thing. Don't worry about it. He doesn't say, hey, you just sit over there. I got this. He says, you feed them. Now, their first idea is to gather all their money together, everything they had, they had and they said, go into town and, and buy something to do this. And I think of this, and it's almost laughable to think about these apostles thinking that way after they work all these miracles and do all these amazing things that God, you know, through Christ, Jesus has given them authority to do, right? They've just come back from this miracle session that they had had all over Galilee for weeks on end and they're coming back to Jesus. Here's what's happened, right? They have this great testimony of the miraculous work of God, and Jesus says you feed them. And instead of them just going, okay, Let's do this. They're like, oh man, all right, who's got, you got five bucks? You got 10 bucks? Let's, let's, you know, let's put all this together and we'll go into the town and we'll get some ingredients. What are we going to make? we making? What are we making? All right. We got some fish? Okay, we'll do some fish. No. Right? They go, I think it's ridiculous. Instead of looking at the potential, they, they look at a problem and all they see is the problem. They want to solve the problem in and of their own strength. And I I think it's silly, but then I look at my own life and I do the exact same thing. You know, it's fine to be a Christian when everything's working and when everything's going right, but when a problem comes into my life, I have this, this tendency to lean on my own wisdom, to lean on my own strength, or to lean on the things that I can have or think I have control of. These guys have seen Jesus do hundreds of miracles. They just performed hundreds of miracles themselves, and they still weren't looking for a miracle. You see, we see a problem. God sees an opportunity. We see a problem. God sees an opportunity. When we run into problems, we start to think, how can I fix this? When we should be thinking, how can I glorify God through this? What would bring God the most glory as I walk through this? And there's something that we have to remember in those times. And I, I don't know what you're going through right now. I, maybe life's just honky dory and it's all rainbows and unicorns. But if it's tornadoes and pterodactyls for you right now, this is, this is something we, we have to remember. There is nothing too big for God. There's nothing you are facing right now that is too big for God. There's nothing that happens in your life that takes God by surprise. Did you hear me on that? There's nothing that's happened in your life or will happen in your life that takes God by surprise. You're not going to run into something in your life and God be up in heaven going, oh, myself, what am I going to (laughs) do? I didn't see that one coming. Our creator God exists outside of time. He created time. He created light and darkness. He created everything that we see. And this God that we serve, this creator who has created us and sustains us, sees everything. There is not one minuscule thing that happens he's not aware of. And there's nothing that takes him by surprise. I mean, it is unfathomable for us to even consider. Because... We are surprised all the time. We, we have things happen in our lives that happen to us, and we're just like, oh my gosh, that storm just took out a whole tree in my backyard. What am I going to do? We even surprise ourselves sometimes in a conversation, and we just say to ourselves, I can't believe I just said that. Is that just me? You know. There's like five of us, right? You're talking in a conversation. You get done with the conversation. You're driving home. You're like, oh, man, what did I just say? I do that every Sunday afternoon. <laughs> no, but we're surprised. So we have we, this a struggle for us. Like, like we are in this constraint of time. God doesn't have that constraint. He sees and knows all things. The Bible says actually that even now we're seated at the right hand of God the Father with the Son. That this eternity thing, it's just like almost science fiction-ish feeling to us. We don't understand it. But God is never surprised. That's how big and powerful God is. I, I hope I'm painting this picture for you well. That, that's how big and powerful God is. Nothing happens outside of his providence. And you're just like, oh man, there's a lot of evil that happens. There's a lot of bad that happens. Yes, there is. And God's fully aware of it. And God has a plan in spite of it. And he's going to work his will and his purpose in spite of it. Right? I don't understand that. I can't wrap my, my mind around that. But God is that powerful, that miraculous, that providential, that sovereign that he can do that. The things that don't add up for us. The things that we can't make sense of. This creator, sustainer God in the end. When eternity meets time and Jesus comes again, he is going to make every single evil wrong done right. That's how big and powerful God is. And we, we can sit on this side of eternity with this minuscule view of everything in the constraints of humanity and our, the smallness of our minds and understanding and try and judge God as he sits outside in eternity knowing what true justice is, knowing what true righteousness is, and saying and proving over time that he will do what he wants to do in spite of anything. Don't do that. We can't do that. This is how big God is. There is nothing too big for God. God is God, capital G, capital O, capital D, and he is in control, and he will work his will, his ways, and his purposes in your life. It may seem crazy. It may seem out of control. It may not make sense, but God will be glorified through you, and he will use you for his kingdom. Don't just see a problem. Look for God's purpose. And when we can't find it, trust God will be God. God is God. And then do what you know to do. do what you, when you don't know what to do, do what you know to do. And we know as Christians what the Bible teaches us to do. These, these fundamentals of the Christian faith. Pray. I mean, when you're at your wits' end, when there's 15,000 people and Jesus says, feed them, pray. Don't start gathering $5 bills, right? Don't start gathering quarters. Pray. When you don't know what to do, do what you know to do. Go to church, read your Bible. Seek out Christian fellowship and conversations and purposefully direct those conversations towards the glory of God, towards the truth of his word, to the testimony of God's working in your life and your friends' lives. Direct those conversations to the glory of God. Crank up the worship tunes in your car and make a joyful noise, right? Sing it out. Do I have any worshipers in their cars over there? Anybody? Totally me. If you see me driving down the road, I'm not yelling at the person in front of me. I am yelling worship songs, right? No road rage here. It's road worship. <laughs> that's what's going on. Sometimes the problems we see seem so big that we feel inadequate. I think that's where it gets really, really hard. Like, like when a problem comes in and you're just like, I got nothing. You're right. And your spouse is like, What are we gonna do? How is this gonna work? What's gonna happen? Your kids are like, ah, What are we gonna do? And you're just like, I got nothing. You feel totally and completely inadequate. But it's in those moments, this this is good, it's in those moments that God does his thing. And that's the third filling in your notes today. God takes the insignificant and makes it miraculous. That's the God we serve. God takes the insignificant and makes it miraculous. Look at it in verse 37. Part B, shall we go and buy 200 denarii worth of bread and give it to them to eat? Really? And he said to them, how many loaves do you have? Go and see. And they had found out, they said, five. Five loaves of bread and two fish. Well upwards of fifteen to 20,000 people. Five loaves and two fish. Sounds pretty insignificant to me right? How are you going to feed 15,000 people with five loaves of bread and two fish? And I'm sure they were blue-yellow, really small fish, <laughs> right? Because this is what God does. God takes the weak to confound the wise. God takes five loaves of bread and two fish and makes a miracle. God takes what we would see as insignificant and works miracles, Because when it's all said and done, when we meet God face to face, no human being is ever going to stand at the pearly gates and walk through with their head held high. No human being. We will crawl through thankful for the grace that God has just blessed us with in spite of our sinfulness and our sinful leanings. We will walk through or crawl through because of the grace and mercy of God, lifting his name above all names. God takes the insignificant and works miracles. Now, Jesus said, You feed them. But that's not all he said. Because last week he said to them, and this is probably just a few weeks earlier. I'm giving you my authority to cast out demons, to raise the dead, to heal the sick, and to preach with the authority you've seen me preach with. Now go and do it. And they went and did it through his delegated authority. Jesus said you feed them. But Jesus never tells us to do something he doesn't empower us to do. He wasn't telling them to do something they weren't already empowered to do. And this is an interesting miracle. It's because one of the only miracles, I think it may be the only miracle that is performed not at the hands of Jesus, but at the hand of the apostles under Jesus' words. Jesus wasn't carrying baskets around seeing the food multiplied. The apostles were. See, Jesus never, he never puts something in your life. How do I say this? This is really important. Jesus will never put anything in your life that you cannot walk through with the power of the Holy Spirit. God will put things in your life that you can't walk through in and of your own strength. He will allow things into your life that are so difficult, so hard, that it will force you to run to Jesus and say, God, I can't do this. I need more of you. I need to be closer. I need you more in my everyday. This Sunday to Sunday thing ain't working. I need you Monday, I need you Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, Saturday, 24/7. God will allow things into your life that if you're not found in him the good shepherd, if you're not a sheep right next to the shepherd. If you're not following him to the pasture and being protected by him, I mean, 24 7, he'll allow things into your life that will force you to run to him like you've never run to him before. But he never asks us to do anything he doesn't empower us to do. That's why it's so important before Jesus ascended into heaven, he says, I must go. It is, in fact, he says, it's actually better for me to go. Now think about that for a second, right? Jesus is in the flesh talking to these disciples face-to-face before he ascends. That's pretty cool, all right? Like who here would not, I mean, would love to see Jesus face-to-face, like, hey, bro, play some Euchre? I don't know. (laughs) Probably not. you probably talk theology or something. Like, how do you save us? What's that look like? What's that work, you know? All those questions we have. No, Jesus face-to-face, I'll take it, Right? No, but Jesus says, no, this is better. There's something actually better than me being here face-to-face with you and having these conversations. I am going into heaven. I'm going to send the helper, the Holy Spirit, who brings conviction and strengthens you. He's going to be a great comforter to you. It is my spirit. It is part of the Trinity. It is God in you. I am sending my spirit to live in you. That's what God does. At the moment of salvation, as soon as you put your trust in Jesus Christ and the work he did in his life, his perfection for your salvation, the Holy Spirit God lives in you. And I'm telling you, when you're walking in the Spirit and you're walking with him and you're trusting in him, there is nothing God can't do in your life. So it's, maybe it's the struggle you're working through. Maybe it's a difficult situation, and you're like, I can't do this. And I love how David David said this morning, you can't do it. That's right. You can't. But God can. God, the Holy Spirit who lives in you, God can. Maybe it's not something difficult. Maybe you're not going through something difficult. You're out there going, oh, that's great, man. Playing golf through the week, just retired, you know, or just my job's great, just got, you know, a raise and everything else. Maybe you felt called to teach in children's ministry or youth ministry, lead a community group or go on a missions trip or maybe you feel called to be a deacon or elder, start a ministry. But you've thought to yourself, "Eh, I'm not, I'm not that kind of material. I can't do, I'm, I'm not, I'm I'm insignificant. I don't have anything to offer. I'm a nobody. I'm a five loaves, two fish guy. Or I'm a five loaves, two fish girl. God took five loaves and two fish and worked one of the greatest miracles in his entire ministry. And here at Mission View Church, we believe that every every, every Christian, every person that God calls to himself has a purpose. You have a mission. There's no bench there's no sidelines in Christian ministry. There's no sidelines in Christianity. Every Christian is called, not just called, is, is built and created and empowered with gifts. God has gifted you to use those gifts for his kingdom. There is no such thing as sitting on the side. Oh, i just show up. I just, no, there's no such thing. God has gifted you, and he has a mission and purpose and destiny for you. What is that mission? What is that purpose? What is the destiny that God has placed on your life? You may think you're insignificant. You may think you're five loaves and two fish. But God takes those things, those things we think insignificant, we think are small, we think will never make an impact, and he works miracles. God wants to work a miracle in your life. You are his son, you are his daughter, and he has great things for you. Good things for you that he prepared for you to do even before time began. That he knew your name, he knew where you'd live, he knew who you'd marry, he knew how many kids you would have. Every good deed that you would do, he set these things aside for you. You have a mission. Don't think that you can't make an impact. Man, if if God can take five loaves and two fish and feed 15,000 people, God can use you and God has a purpose for you. What is that purpose? What are the gifts that God's given you? Can you see yourself working towards the glory of God on mission, on purpose for Him? What are those things? I want to challenge you this morning that you would be praying about how you could be used in God's kingdom. Maybe it's on the prayer team or the children's ministry or the worship team or greeting people at the doors, going out on missions trip with our missions teams and doing different things. What is it that God is moving on your hearts? I truly believe even right now there's some of you sitting out there that the Holy Spirit is is moving on your heart and calling you to serve him. You've been sitting on the sidelines. You've been thinking about it. You've even almost called the church before and saying, I, I, maybe this would be helpful for God in his kingdom work here. I, I really believe there are people sitting here right now thinking that. Maybe even watching online at home. God has a mission for you. Everyone has a mission. If you can do it with five loaves and two fish, he's going to do it in your life. Step out in faith. Take that step and see what God does. Amen? Let's pray together. Dear Heavenly Father, we thank you for your Son, Jesus. And Lord, we, we look back at the life of Christ, and we see all these miracles, and we see all the, the compassion, and kindness, and mercy that he has shown. And it's, it is unavoidable to see the love that you have for people. And God, we pray that you would make us more like your son, Jesus. That when, when we're moved to compassion, God, that we'd be moved to action. And God, that we would trust in you, the good shepherd, to do what only you can do in and through our lives. And Father, for those, those people here who have been thinking about how they can serve you and the gifts that you've given them, God, I pray that you continue to move on their hearts and just just make it, just make it impossible for them to avoid it any longer, Lord. That they would find, that they would find their purpose in your kingdom, for your glory and for our good. We surrender to you, come and have your way in Jesus name. Amen. Let's stand as we sing our closing song this morning.